So praise God. As I start here this morning, you know, um, I was thinking about the new year and how things, you know, we, we, a lot of things have changed um, since I was born, and, and I'm sure all of y'all can relate to this, and some of y'all who are younger can't. So I'm just going to kind of go through some things here that, that maybe you don't realize, you know, that we, we've come to, come from to what we're doing now. And really, we should be excited about the improvements and the advancements that we have made um, in our culture and in our society compared to the way things used to be. And um, one of the things I was thinking about, and, and Brandon might not believe this, but ATMs weren't always around. Um, they, never, they, never, they haven't always had ATMs. You actually, and Wayne Hill and some of the people my age can remember this, um, everybody, when I was growing up, you got paid on a Friday. And so you got your, you got your paper, you, got, you actually got a paycheck, a, pa a paper, in your, in your hand, and then what did everybody do on, on Friday after work? They all went to the bank to go deposit it or cash it or whatever it was they were going to do, and the lines were long. I mean, they had, you, you can't imagine it, but some of the banks, the, the, uh, the lines that you, that you drove in, which your car was, now they only have like two or three, they had like four or five lanes. It was like just piled with all of these cars, and so you all went in to that to, um, to, to cash your check or whatever, and there wasn't any ATM where you could just go put an ATM card in there and um, get your cash and, and all that kind of stuff. None of, none of that stuff um, exists. And I remember when that stuff started to come out, you know, some of the older generation kind of resisted some of that stuff. I mean, for me, it was I was still younger when it happened, and I was like, well, this is kind of cool. I can stick a card in this machine, and it's going to spit cash out. I I'll take it. I think that's a, um, that, that, that's a good thing. So um, another thing that, you, that most of y'all might not, maybe not everybody remembers or realizes that um, you used to you, you weren't always able to pay for gas at the pump. You had to go in to the store, and um, and it was really kind of strange. And I remember when I, and back then when I was doing it, it was a lot more cash transaction than there was credit cards. You, they had the credit cards, but it was cash. So you pulled up to the pump, and you didn't know if you needed twenty dollars or fifteen dollars or ten dollars. So you walked all the way into the by the cashier and you handed him a $20 bill or whatever it was and said, look, this, I'm going to fill it up, but it might not be 20 So you went back to the pump, you pumped your gas, and then you had to go back in there and get your change or whatever it was. And, I, and as I was writing this down, I was thinking, I don't know how that person kept up with all of this. Like, like how did he remember that like, this is his 20 and his 10 and his, his whatever and all, but, but, um, but that, that's, just, that's just how it was. And, um, and believe it or not, um, there was a time when there wasn't any, there was no computers. And I know in the society we live in today, we, we, we can't ever imagine that. But the first job that I ever had when I was working in Shamat, it was an electrical supply house. And um, if, if anybody is familiar with electrical supplies, and I know Wayne is, um, there's a lot of parts. I mean, there's, there's thousands, there's thousands of parts. I don't think we had thousands, but we had a lot of parts that we that we inventoried and that we stocked there, and it really wasn't the full breadth of every electrical product that there was, but it was most of the stuff that someone would need to wire up a house or, or whatever. And so the contractor would come in, and he'd place his order, and you hand-wrote you hand wrote everything, everything he said. You, you wrote it down by hand, and then there was, a, there was a, a binder that had laminated pages in it with all the prices in it, and um, you, you went down and you, you put down every price, and then there was this thing called a calculator. It said, you might have seen some of these things. You've got to go look at this, Brandon. It's funny. 
and uh, you went in there and you, 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 you added up every one of those things. And I remember, you know, when you were doing it, you never really realized that you didn't, there was a better way because there wasn't a better way. But I remember when the computers came out and I, I, I thought back to that time when I worked there, how amazing it would have been to, to be able to, to type all that stuff in like that and just, you know, have the invoice print or the, the amount or whatever and, and all that kind of stuff. And there was actually a time then when there was no cell phones. I mean, I know, and you know, think about that. I think about when I was growing up in high school especially, um, if I had a cell phone when I was in high school, I'd, I'd have been in trouble all the time. I mean, I, I just can't imagine what that would what have been like to have a phone. But I remember when the phones were first becoming popular and people were saying that there was going to be a time when, when everybody was going to have a, a phone. And I remember thinking, why would everybody need a phone? I, I'm, I said that. I mean, I'm like, what, 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 what? And, and now I'm like, you know, we can't live without it. You can't even go, you know, 30 minutes or one hour without, you know, where's my, where's my cell phone at? And I remember when they first came out, and I was like, why would everybody want to drive around in a car with a phone? <laughs> and everybody's got a phone now. You know, I mean, it's, it's the craziest thing. And then this one, and um, Lee might, might remember this. I don't know if he does or not, but we were, there was actually a time when there was no leaf blowers. You know, the, the blower that you blow your leaves with and all that kind of stuff. So Lee and I was at the house. He might remember this. He, he, he helped me. He was older in the house at the time. And helped me cut the grass at our house when we lived in Violet right before um, Hurricane Katrina. And I remember we were out there one time and we were, we were cleaning up and Lee looked at me and he says, but, you know, he, I don't know how you said it, but you said, why we don't have a, a, a leaf blower? And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm there, I got the, got the broom, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm sweeping every inch and I'd see me with that broom and I'm like, I don't, I don't need a leaf blower. Leaf blowers are for lazy people. You know, we don't, I, I, I'd rather sweep every inch of the concrete with the broom and get the blisters on my hands and be bleeding, and I'm a real man. And, uh, and yeah, right. So, and I resisted, the, I resisted those things. And, um, but I finally, you know, broke down and got one, of course, many, many years ago. But I have to tell you, Lee, you were right. The leaf, the leaf blower was the best thing that was ever invented. And now that I use mine, I don't know how I, how I did I would do without it. And, um, but, you know, you look back and you think, you know, there's a lot of things that are new. You know, we've, we've improved a lot. And um, it's really a blessing. I and mean, we're living in a, really a, a society where things have become, you know, say easier. It's more convenient, I guess, you know, the, the, the way we've done things and all. So, but when you look at the Bible, um, you, when you read the Bible, you find out that God is all about doing things new. And um, he's, he's, he's a God of doing things new. And, you know, the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. But the Bible doesn't say God never changes the way he does things. He, his character, his, 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 the virtue, who he is, never changes. But the way God does things, he does change. And the Bible, the, the Bible says that in several places. In Isaiah 43, it says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland." 
Now Isaiah there, he's prophesying of the coming of Christ, the coming of the Messiah, and Isaiah is reminding the Israelites of what God had did for them when, he, when they were led out of Egypt. Remember Pharaoh's army came and chased after um, uh, the uh, nation of Israel, and the Bible says that, that Moses, the Red Sea, parted, and um, the Israelites walked across on dry land, but the, the Pharaoh's chariots and, and all of his horsemen and army, they went in, and the Bible says the water came over, and the Lord is telling the nation of, the nation of Israel, forget that, because I'm going to do something even greater than that. And what he was saying is, essentially was, is that this was a salvation in a way that, that you were saved, that, that you were saved when I, when I saved you, when you were able to cross the Red Sea. But I'm going to be sending a Messiah who's going to save the whole world from their sins. See, so forget the former things. Look what I'm about to do, a new thing. So um, uh, God, God is always looking, you know, looking to do something new. So the Bible says here, forget, forget the former things. And so, you know, really, when I say forget, we, we don't forget in a way where we want to learn from 2022. We, you don't want to forget things that God showed you or uh, maybe something that happened in your life that God used it as an opportunity to, to, to teach you something or whatever. But we, we forget in the sense that whatever happened last year is gone. It, it can't be repeated. And God's going to do something new this year. So sometimes we can get hung up in the things that God has done in the past, and what will that do? That will prevent us from seeing what it is that God is doing today. God is a God of now. God is a today God. He, he's, always in, he's always in the business of doing, of doing, something, of doing something new. So um, if you read the Bible, um, Jesus was constantly attacked for, for his method of teaching, his his, his ministry, the way he did things, because the Jews thought that Jesus was going to come and just continue the laws of Judaism and the, the Old Testament and the things of the law. And now Jesus came with this new covenant of love and mercy and forgiveness and, and not an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth, but now, now to love and to forgive and to pray for your enemy and, and all these different things. And, the, and if you read the, the uh, Gospels, Jesus was, was attacked um, for his for him his way of, of preaching the um, the new covenant or the new gospel that God had for the whole world um, in mark chapter two um, Jesus said this he said no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment otherwise the new piece will pull away from the old making the tear worse and no one pours new wine into old wineskins Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into, into new wineskins. So what is God looking for in 2023? He's looking for new wineskins. And that's what I titled the message today is new wineskins. And, um, you know, really, if you think about it, um, the, the, when, we, when we approach 2023, the new year really begins with you and me. In other words, we say, well, you know, it's a new year and, and we want things to change and we want things to be better or improve or whatever in our church or in our family or in our lives. Well, where does it really start? With us. I, I, have, to, I have to become new. I, I can't just sit back and say, God, do something new. You know, do a new thing in my church or do a new thing in my family. 
if I'm not willing to tell God, do something new in me. In other words, I, it, it really, and I'm speaking this to me personally as I'm speaking this to y'all, that God's got to do something new in my life. And that's really w- where it all begins. And um, you see, I don't want to remain the same. You know, you, we should always want to be advancing and growing as believers. We, we don't, we don't, otherwise, we're going to get stagnant and stale. We, 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 we should always be on, the, on, on God. What is, it, what is something new? God, show me something fresh, a new revelation, a new understanding of what, what your word says. So, um, so as, as we approach 2023, beginning today, really, um, I'm just asking this church and myself included, that God, you just make me a new wineskin that you can pour in new wine to, you know? And uh, so let me ask you a question. Do you want new wine in 2023? I want, I want God to give me new wine. I want new understanding. I want new revelation. I want souls. I want all the things that God has for this church. I want those things. Are you willing to exchange the old wineskin for a new wineskin? I'm, re- I'm ready. <laughs> God, t- take the old. Just forget the former things, God. And g- God, give me the new things. Do, do something new inside of me. And then, um, you know, go- going to another level in 2023 is going to require a new you. That's just how it is. I-, I can't just sit back and say, do something new, God, and I'm not willing to change. It's not going to happen. For me, as a pastor, for you as a Christian, the place you work, as a father, as a mother, you know, whatever it is, you cannot ask God to change your situation or your life and, and not be willing for him to change you first. That, that's just where, it, that, that's just where it, all, it all begins. But look what Jesus said in this passage here, and it's really, you know, remarkable when you read the way he wrote this. Um, he says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. Now, what is Jesus saying there? Well, what he's saying is, if I am not willing to become a new wineskin, and God's got something new that he wants to give me, that the, both are going to be ruined. It's going to be wasted. In other words, what God wants to show me, if I'm not willing to receive it, as a new wineskin, is going to be wasted. I don't want to waste what God wants to give me. I don't want to, I don't want to waste that. And uh, so we need to be willing to change and to receive all the things that it is that God, that God has for us and that God has for this church. And, uh, and, and we're going to do that today. I'm just going to, I'm, when I'm finished this, we're going to have an altar call and I'm just going to ask that, that we come and we just present ourselves before God and say, God, I want to become a new uh, wineskin, God, that you can pour the new wine, the new revelation, the new understanding of what it is, God, that you're doing in these, in these times and in these days. And I believe that God, that God will make that, make that happen for us. Amen? So to become new wineskins, I believe we need to offer ourselves to the Lord in, in these three ways, there's probably more, but I believe these are the three ways that we need to offer ourselves to God. It, it's our body, our mind, and our heart. Um, we need to offer God a, our body, our minds, and our hearts. And um, the, the Bible says in Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore, 
I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So the first thing that I believe we need to do to offer God new wineskins is to offer, offer your bodies to God. And, um, you know, really, what, what is the greatest obstacle that's preventing us from receiving the new wine that God has for us? It's us. It's your flesh. Your, your flesh is standing in the way. And notice the Bible in here in, in Romans 12, 1, it doesn't, say, it doesn't say change your bodies or make your, what does it say? Make your bodies a living sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? It's death. It's, it's killing, it's killing the flesh. And so, the, see, the flesh cannot be negotiated with or compromised with. The only way to conquer the flesh is to kill it. You've you got to put the death. The Bible says put the death, the earthly desires of the flesh. What did Jesus say to do? Take up your cross daily. He wasn't talking about the cross that, that he carried, that, that, he, that he died and bled on for you and I to be saved. He's talking about this physical flesh that we die to ourselves, that we, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. So the flesh, the, the flesh has to change. And Hebrews 12.1 also says to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So really the first thing that you and I need to do when we tell God we want to offer ourselves or offer our bodies to God is we have to identify what it is that's standing in the way. What's the, what's the obstacle? And there's no condemnation, the Bible says, in Christ. We're not, we're not condemning one another, but I do believe that God wants us to recognize and understand what are the pitfalls or the things that creep up into our lives that prevent us and keep us from becoming everything God wants us to be. And I think if we were all honest with ourselves, myself included, you can identify at least one thing that you can say, you know what, I can do a better job with that. Or that, that thing in my flesh needs to go down in Jesus' name. I, that, that, that's stopping me. That's preventing me from receiving and doing everything that God has for me. So we, we identify it and we do what? We confess that thing. And, and that's what I do. When there's something in my life that comes up, I know that's not from God. I agree with God. That's what confession is. Confession is agreeing with God that what that thing is doesn't belong there. And you, we do what Hebrew says, we throw it off. We, we, we get rid of it. We, we, we cast it aside, the Bible says. So um, Galatians 5, so the Bible tells us that what the acts of the flesh are. You might say, well, I don't know if something in my flesh is really, is this from God or not? Well, the Bible says the acts of the flesh are obvious. <laughs> in other words, you don't need a scholar or you don't need to be a theologian to figure out whether or not there's something in your life that's, that's against God's word or against who God is. And in Galatians chapter 5, it lists them here. It says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so a lot of times, as Christians, I think we focus on 
quote, the major sins like murder and, um, you know, maybe sexual immorality, things like that. But if you read what Paul wrote here, um, he said things like hatred and jealousy, fits of rage. I, I think all of us at times can identify, you know, we get, we get impatient, you know, maybe in traffic or at work or something happens and, you know, man, I just I go off into a, the Bible says that's not of God, that's of the flesh. And that could be something that's preventing you from receiving what it is that God has got for you. Look what it says here, selfish ambition. I think we can all identify with that, that we, we, when we do things, a lot of times it's what? what how is it going to please me? What, it's, it's from selfish motives. You know, it's, it's selfish ambition. And then uh, jealousy and envy. Uh, I think all of us, you know, at times can say, you know what, I don't want to confess that or admit that, but there's been things in my life or times in my life when I've looked at someone else's life and there's been some envy <laughs> or there's been some, some jealousy. And maybe we just kind of say, well, that's not really a, a major sin, so it's not a big deal. Well, if, if God wrote it in the Bible, it is a big deal. And it's something that's keeping me, that's not, um, it's, it, the Bible says the, the sin that so easily entangles us so when we're entangled, we're uh, restricted. Um, I'm not free. I'm, I'm in bondage. I'm, I'm, I, I'm bound by that thing or whatever it is. So again, it's not, I'm not going to ask for anyone to confess right now what that is, but I pray the Holy Spirit um, begins to reveal to us in our hearts and in our minds um, and in our spirits those things that are there, and then what do we do? Then we, we, we have to address those things, and we, we, we get rid of those things. So um, is there a stubborn, persistent, nagging sin? That, that's something that just keeps creeping up in your life that will keep you from receiving the new wine. Make a decision today that you're not going to carry that sin into 2023, that I'm going to be free in Jesus' name. Whatever, whatever, that, whatever that is, God, I'm going to be free of that. In Jesus' name, that that's that's really where it all begins. So, so you begin by identifying it, and then what is the strategy? You know, you have to come up with a strategy to conquer this thing. And um, Galatians five sixteen and seventeen says, "So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other." So, so you are not to do whatever you want. So Paul said, walk by the Spirit. Um, what, is the, what is the fruit of the Spirit? It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and self-control, all those different things. So the Bible says if we are walking in those things, we're, we're satisfying the Spirit, then guess what? You're not going to satisfy the flesh. There's only, there's, there's, there's only one person can occupy the throne. It's either, it's either the spirit or the flesh. And the Bible says, put to death the desires of the flesh. So, um, and, and walk, walk, walk by the spirit, the Bible says. So, so I, I believe that God is he's always asking us, you know, as a Christian, to put to death fleshly urges. But I believe more so than ever as we approach this new year in 2023, especially today, January 1st, it's the first day of the year 
It's an opportunity for a clean slate. I, I can't change what happened last year. I can't change what happened last night. But I, I can start afresh today, and I can tell God, God, I offer this wineskin, this body, as a living sacrifice. And I'm, I'm, if, if your Holy Spirit reveals something inside of me that I know is not of you, God, then I'm going to lay it down at, at the altar. I'm, I'm just going to throw it aside, just like the Bible says, and I'm not going to be entangled by that thing anymore. Because God, God wants to move and operate in a church that's free, that, that's not attached to the sins and the things of the world where we're, we're operating in the freedom of the Spirit. And um, it begins with us offering our bodies. That, that's the, that, that if, you want a, if you want a new wineskin, and, and I believe all of us want that this morning, that it begins by telling God, you know, put, put this flesh to death, God. You know, whatever it is. So, so I pray that that's you this morning, that whatever that is, as the Spirit reveals those things to us, that we'll get serious with, with the Lord. Because God's business is serious. It's urgent. And it's going to require a church that's serious about the things of God and doing what it takes and what it requires to be used by God. Amen. So that's the first thing is your bodies. The next thing is in Romans 12, 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So the next thing we need to do is we need to renew your mind. We need to renew your mind. Um, to become a new wineskin, i got to change the way I think. And, um, you know, the Bible says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, to their ways and their understanding. And that is really one of the most difficult things to do as a Christian is not to think the way the world thinks. And why is that so hard? Because we live in the world. We, we, we do. The Bible says we are in the world, but we're not of the world, or we're not like the world. So we don't, we don't conform to the pattern of the world. But Christians, unfortunately, we fall into the same pattern and the same mindset that the world does. And we end up acting and behaving and thinking the same way that they, that, that they do. We have, to renew, we have to renew our minds. If our mind is not renewed, it will prevent us from receiving the new wine that the Holy Spirit has for us. We have to change the way that we think. And as I was preparing for this, I thought of a biblical example of this was the Apostle Paul. And, um, you know, some of us forget that Paul was a persecutor of the church. You know, you go back and read the book of Acts, and it's hard for us to imagine that because Paul is just this amazing apostle. He wrote, you know, most of the books in the New Testament, and he's just, just an amazing man of God. But the Bible says that, that Paul hated the church. And why was that? Paul believed in God. He was, a, he was a religious leader, a religious teacher, but he was blinded by his thinking, by, by his religious tradition and his religious thinking that he did not accept that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He was blinded because his mind, his mind was thinking of tradition of, of Judaism and, and, and the traditions of men and the way that he was brought up. And you know the story in the book of Acts he was actually on the road to, to Damascus with letters to go and arrest and persecute people like us in this church this morning and, and ha have them arrested. And the Bible says Jesus met him on that road. 
Jesus wiped him out. He blinded, he, he blinded uh, Paul, the, the Bible says. And I believe that that blinding was a, was a spiritual blinding where, where God allowed Paul to be blind to the things that he could see in the natural. And the Bible says when his eyes were opened, something like scales began to fall off. And then what did he see? He saw the Lord for who he really was, that Jesus was truly the Son of God. He was the Messiah, the, 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 the promised one. So, so um, your mind is a dangerous minefield. It, 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 a lot of things happen, you know, between our ears, and um, that we, we can get in a lot of trouble, you know, when we start thinking about things that aren't godly. So we have to, we have to renew our minds. And um, so what's the world's mindset lately? And I, I, the Lord just kind of put this in my spirit, you know, as I was preparing for this, um, and, and I think you can put it in these three categories if Ruby wants to put that next slide up there. And um, it's fear and anxiety, it's uh, pride and selfishness, and it's money and greed. I mean, I think those three categories, there's a lot of other things you could put there, but we are living in a world of fear and anxiety. That make no, no mistake about it. The, 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 the number one aim of the media and society and government is to place fear in you. That's what they want to do. And the Bible says, that's for me as a Christian, God has not given us a spirit of fear. To fear, fear nothing, the Bible says. Who, whom shall I fear, the Bible says. If God is with us, who can be against us? So the, 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 the danger for the, for the believer is to fall into the same trap as the, as the world has fallen in, and they are afraid of everything. And what does fear do? What, what is, what, it paralyzes you. It, 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 it prevents, it, it, it keeps you, it, you, you won't do anything when you live in fear. And, 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 and that's really what, the, what I believe the government and the world wants to do. It's fear controls. It, it allows the government to control us. I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit. I'm not controlled by the government. So we, don't, we, we cannot walk in the spirit of fear. And I, I remember this when I was preparing this message. When, when I was living in Shamat and I was a teenager, um, there was a lady that was in the church that I went to at the time, and she would, not, she would not drive, she was afraid to drive on bridges. And at the time when I was younger, I didn't really think about it, but then as I got older and I began to drive a lot, I began to think, how in the world are you going to drive in New Orleans if you're afraid to go over a bridge? You can't go five miles without, without, without crossing a bridge. And, 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 and what it did, it paralyzed her. It, 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 and I'm sure she still did it, but it, it, it brought fear. And, and so we have to reject the mindset of, of, of the fear that is in the world today. And then pride and selfishness is a, is a, is a big thing. It's always existed, but, but we're living in a world now that we've become so, um, our society's become, I guess, so smart, so to speak. We've seen all this technology and all the things that we, we have come up with. We have basically convinced ourselves we don't need God. <laughs> We're doing great without you, God. Thank you very much. Well, last time I looked, we're not doing too good without you, God. We're not doing too good. Look at some of the inner cities and some of the schools and abortion and all the things that are happening around our world today and really dig in deep between the numbers and families and marriages and broken homes and all those different things and drug addiction and all those different things that are happening. We're not doing real good without God. 
but we've convinced ourselves as a society that we are so smart, we're so rich, we're so affluent, we have all these things. God, we don't need you. Well, the church can never get to a place where it says it doesn't need God. We need you, God. That's how I stay humble. See, that's the opposite of pride, is what humility. And I said this, I think, a few weeks ago when I was preaching. It takes a humble heart to confess and acknowledge I need a Savior. I, I need Jesus. I, I, I understand that. I'm, I'm wretched. I'm, I'm wicked. I'm, I'm e- all those things without you, Lord. I, I'm, in a, I'm in a desperate state, God. I need you, Lord. So the world is doing that. And then the other thing that, that I noticed is money and greed. And that's always been, uh, been prevalent in our society. But, but really the greed thing is coming in. And, and, I've, and y'all have probably noticed this recently, but there's a big push for gambling. I mean, it's just like, it's like in your face with this, with this online uh, betting. This, this, the, 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 the legislature evidently in Louisiana, I guess, and other places in the country have opened up the door for, for, for uh, sports betting and gambling and all, those kind of, and, and all those kind of things. And what it's done is it's produced greed. People are they're, they're greedy for money. And um, the Bible says in Proverbs to work, to work hard and to earn, to earn your money. And uh, so we, we need to trust the Lord. That's what God wants us to do. He's Jehovah Jireh. God's my provider. Not, not the lottery ticket or the, the gambling system and all those kind of things. Jehovah's my provider. God, I'm trusting in you for, for, what, for what you have given us. So, so if, our, if, our mind, if our mind is fixed on those, on those things, then guess what? You are not going to receive the new wine God has for you. That's, that's going to block you. It's going to prevent you. So you got to say, God, change my mind. Change my, change my thinking and, and get my mind out of, those, out of those things. We must, the Bible says, transform your mind. That's, that's, that transform is it's changed. It's, it's completely different. It's not part of the world and part of God. It's transformed. It's, it's a new mind. It's, 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 a new, it's a new way of thinking. So how is this done? By the truth, by the word of God. Philippians 4, 8, I love this verse. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, um, when you read that scripture and you think of true and noble and right and pure and lovely, that, that eliminates a lot of things in the world. <laughs> that almost eliminates almost everything, if you, if you think about it, except what? The Word of God. Amen. See, meditate, meditate on the Word of God. So let me ask you this. What, what do you think about? When you think about things, what does your mind dwell on? What do you meditate on? What, what things do you dwell, dwell on? Is it, the, is it the, the ways of the world, the anxieties and the fears of the world, or is it on the truths of the, the Word of God, the, the, the love of God, the pure truth of God's Word, the, the Holy Spirit, the cross, Jesus, you know, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God? What do you think about? Because that will control the way you act and what you do and how God, and how God uses you. So I've said this before, and I'll say it again. 
Turn off the news. And I know we joke about that, but I really mean that. Because what's happening is the news is constantly pumping into things that aren't from God. It's, it, and you say, well, I mean, I, I got a news app. I, I told you all I got rid of cable news. I don't have cable news anymore. Thank you, Jesus. I got delivered. I got delivered from cable news. I got my news app, and I get the bam, 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 the real quick, what's happening in my world today, and then I'm finished with it. I don't let my mind dwell on those things. Because what will happen is you begin to operate and act the same way the world does. And all of a sudden, you're anxious, and you're living in fear, and you know, you're like, well, maybe I do need to go you know, gamble or whatever, because I don't know if I'm going to have enough money to pay my bills or whatever. And God's saying, I'm your provider. You see? So weigh the mind, the, the, the things we think about and, 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 and concentrate on affects the way we live as Christians. So, so think just if you ever in doubt about the things you're thinking about, go to Philippians 4.8. Is it, is it true? Is it lovely? Is it pure? Is it admirable? All those things. And I'm telling you, a lot of things you could just be like, like I'm not on social media, but I know there's a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of garbage on social media. And I bet you this verse, if you put that in, in light of what you're looking at on social media, that would be like, you know what? I probably need to get rid of some of my social media stuff because it's not lining up with Philippians 4.8. That's what you have to do. Change your mind. Renew your mind. The Bible says transform, transform your, your mind. The, the Bible says we, we have to give the Lord to give the Lord our minds, and um, then we can receive and understand what it is that the Spirit that the Spirit is saying. See, the mind stuck on the ways of the world will never receive the ways of the Lord. It'll never happen. We 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 have to change our our, our mindset, change the way that we think. So. So God is, first of all, asking us to surrender our bodies. To, and really, when we surrender our body, we're telling God to crucify the flesh. That's, that's, that's no, we're not negotiating with the flesh. It's, we're, we're, we're putting to death the flesh. And then the mind, we're asking God, God, ch- change my mind. Transform the way I think, Father, according to your word, that I can receive this new wine that you have for me for 2023. And then the next thing is Ezekiel 36, 26. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that's the next thing is we need to ask God to change our hearts. And, um, you know, if you think about it, everything that we are really begins with our hearts. And, you know, we know, I think, as believers that when the Bible talks about our heart, it's not talking about this thing in here that's pumping blood. It's talking about the real you. The, the, maybe the part of you that really nobody else sees except you and God. The part that makes you tick, that makes you think, that makes you act, that makes you speak, that all those different things. That's the heart. That's the, you know, if, if, if we sliced open every one of us in here, that would be the real you. You know, not this outer shell that, that you see, but the real, the real person that is there, that's the heart. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Think about that. Everything that we do, every word that we speak, every way that we act is a result of what's in our heart. And a lot of times we don't want to admit that. Why? Because some of the things that I'm saying or doing, 
they're not good. <laughs> and, but what, that's the, what God says is that's in my heart. So what do I have to do? I've got to give God my heart. That's how I get a new wineskin. I say, God, you, and we sang that song, beautiful, God, you, you can have my heart. That, that's what God wants, because God knows if he's got your heart, guess what? He's got everything. He's got you. He, he, he's got you. And I love that verse in Ezekiel where it says, I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Now, why did it use the analogy of stone and flesh? Well, what, what can God do with a, with a hard heart? Nothing. But what's going to happen? God's going to try to talk to that heart. God's going to try to teach that heart. God's going to try to convict that heart. But what's the heart going to do? It's going to resist it because it's like a piece of stone, and it's just, it's, just, it's just hitting. It just keeps hitting, and, it, and the word, God's just bouncing off. But God says, I've removed the hard heart. Now I've given you a heart of flesh, which is what? When I think of a fleshly heart, I think of one that's moldable and, and shapeable and teachable. <laughs> You know, kind of like the clay, like the, like, the, like the potter's clay. You know, that's really what we are, the, the, the Bible says. We, the, the, the Lord is the potter and we're the clay. We get up on the potter's wheel and we don't really have a right to tell God how to shape us. We've given him control of our lives. We've surrendered our hearts to him. So we're saying, God, take, take my heart, take my life and mold it and shape it into what you want me to be. And that's really, that's really what God what God wants. Um, Luke 6, 45, Jesus said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And um, again, that's, a, that's hard for us to accept that because a lot of times, you know, we'll maybe in anger or, you know, we're not thinking, you know, what, what, what does James say? Be slow, to, be slow to speak, quick to, quick to listen, slow to speak. Well, a lot of times we get those two, we, we get them reversed, and we, we speak too fast. And then by the time it's come out, it's too late to reel it back in. And then you realize, uh-oh, that was in my heart. That, that's where that was. And God, God wants that heart. He wants to take it and to shape it and to mold it and to do all of those things. And uh, so... When, when you evaluate your life, what words come out of your mouth? Are they words of life, uh, words of hope, uh, words that encourage, words that build up, or are they words of death and fear and uh, despair and anxiety and hopelessness and all those things? What, what words do you speak? And, and I'm telling you, if you listen to the news and the way the world thinks, you'll be speaking the same way they speak. You say, well, no, I won't. Yes, you will. Get, get, the, get the mind of Christ. Get the word of God. Saturate yourself with the word of God. And in Psalm 51, David prayed this prayer. He said, create in me, <coughs> excuse me, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That, what a beautiful prayer for 2023. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Like, like, whatever it is, God. See, you got to give the Holy Spirit access to expose what those things are. So that's the first thing. He's going to expose what it is. But then what's the next thing we do? We let go. We, we, again, we acknowledge God. That, that's, that's in me. And I have, to, I have to let go of that. Otherwise, we're never going to become the new wineskins that God wants us to become. 
See, God's going God's to do something new. God's always doing something new. He, he, he's always doing something new. God's a God of now. He's a, he's a God of today. So we can't be stuck, well, this is the only way God can do things. No, God can change the way he does things. It doesn't change who he is, but he can change the way he does things. And God's always, it's it. and really we should, be, we should be glad as Christians because that keeps things exciting. It keeps it fun. You know, it's like you're on the edge of your seat waiting to see what is the next big thing God's going to do. And, and, but you've got to be a new wineskin to receive that. Not gonna, he's not going to put the new wine into old wineskins. Both of them are going to be ruined, Jesus said. And uh, so I'm believing for, for big things in this church this year. And um, God's, you know, God's on the move. Um, the, the, you know, the, the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is advancing. God's kingdom is always advancing. It's always marching forth. And I want to begin to see God's kingdom rise up in this church that lets souls begin to get saved. We, we should anticipate and expect souls to be saved every week. Yes. That, that's what we should, we should expect that to happen. That, that, there's hurting people in St. Tammany, y'all. Right. Yeah. There's people that are hurting. And I, and I pray, and, and God has done this for me on occasion, but, but I ask God that when I'm speaking to someone, don't just let it be whatever the conversation is about, whether it's, a, uh, you know, a business transaction or a grocery store thing or whatever, give me a heart to really see what's going on in that person's life. And I'm telling you, when that happens, God will begin to break us. He'll begin to break us for really that, you know, because especially in St. Tammany Parish, I've said this, you know, we St. Tammany looks really good on the outside, <laughs> you know, for the most part. I know there's other, but, but for the most part, the parish has done a really good job of making things look really nice on the outside. But that doesn't mean that's the way things look on the inside. And I think a lot of people, we'd be surprised when we opened up somebody's door and we walked into their house, some things that people are dealing with in this parish, I think we'd be amazed. And God wants this church to have a heart that breaks for those people and to reach them and to love them and um, with the message of salvation. It's a it's a, they have to get saved. It's not, a, it's not an option. It's not, well, this is just a religious thing. They must be saved, the Bible says. And um, God's going to, he's going to use new wineskins to do that. Amen. So, amen. You can stand to your feet, please. And